The Champions League is back, and what a return. Manchester City were at their clinical best as they beat Real Madrid to reach the quarterfinals. Oh, the little finish is absolutely beautiful, and Rafael Varane's night and his misery is complete. It's a header back to his goalkeeper that's short, and my, oh my, how sharp was Gabriel Jesus. It's 4-2 on aggregate, and that could be that. Whilst a Cristiano Ronaldo double couldn't prevent Leon knocking out Juventus. It's Memphis, it's dinked in, the perfect Panienka, and Leon has stunned Juventus early in Turin. They lead by a goal to nil, and Juventus now need three. We'll bring you all the reaction from another dramatic night in the UEFA Champions League. Welcome along to the official UEFA Champions League podcast. I'm Rob Daly and it is truly great to be back. Manchester City beat Real Madrid 2-1 on the night, 4-2 on aggregate. Whilst in Turin, Juventus beat Lyon 2-1 on the night. That's 2-2 on aggregate with Lyon going through on away goals. So we now have six of our quarter finalists with Manchester City and Lyon joining Atalanta, Paris Saint-Germain, RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid in the last eight. I'm joined by commentator John Bradley, who was watching the game at the City of Manchester Stadium and Jonathan Beck, who was keeping across the action in Turin. Firstly, gents, I want your three-word match reports as the Champions League made its return. Yeah, it would be easy to focus on Rafael Varane's mistakes and Real Madrid's exit, but City, very powerful. Cruise control City. And Jonathan? It's a difficult one. Do I go with Ronaldo's double, which wasn't quite enough, or Leon's, Leon's defensive discipline i would say <laughs> we got there in the end we'll take that jonathan plenty more to come from jonathan bay european football expert kevin hatchard's on the panel as well kevin brilliant night of football it felt like the champions league uh, was never away what was your highlight uh my highlight was gabriel jesus's finish uh, for the goal that ultimately killed real madrid off because he deserved the goal for his industry but it also showed the quality that he has and without Sergio Aguero he filled that void so so well. Okay so John, Jonathan and Kevin with me Rob Daly to review the night's action. Let's start with the heavyweight clash in Manchester where Pep Guardiola's side were defending a 2-1 first leg lead against the 13 time winners Real Madrid. Well, that's a little clumsy and they've given the ball away and Manchester City have a tap in. Raheem Sterling, just a matter of metres from goal. And Real Madrid have gifted the goal to Manchester City. They've given the ball away inside their own penalty area. Rafael Varane, of all people. And if the task was hard for Real Madrid, why it could be impossible now? Joao Cancelo crosses right-footed. Benzema! Lovely goal. Real Madrid live in this tie. They crafted it beautifully down the right-hand side of the field. And that's a little short. Again, oh, the little finish is absolutely beautiful. And Rafael Varane's night and his misery is complete. It's a header back to his goalkeeper that's short from the Frenchman. And my, oh, my, how sharp was Gabriel Jesus to just sneak in, get there before the goalkeeper and finish beautifully. Manchester City 2, Real Madrid 1. It's 4-2 on aggregate, and that could be that. 
John Bradley and Kevin Hatchard with me then to uh, review what, in the end, to be honest, John, despite the, the individual areas leading to the goals for City, it felt like a very comfortable City win on the night. It did. Uh, you know, a lot of focus will be on Rafael Varane's two errors, a uh, player that, that we didn't expect it from. Um, but Manchester City always felt had a level of control. They, they almost had their the foot on the throat of, of Real Madrid and, and, and just kept them at arm's length. Real Madrid scored a fine, fine goal to level things up on the night, but we didn't see anything at all like that in the rest of the game. And Manchester City were rarely troubled by them. And, and in the end, it was only a, a matter of some excellent goalkeeping by Courtois and a little bit away with finishing at times by Manchester City that, that stopped them really running away with the tyre. And, you know, if, if anyone wants to start naming any other sides that, that will win the UEFA Champions League this season, I'd like to hear them because, for me, Manchester City look an absolute powerhouse. I think there were so many good performances from City tonight. Ilkay Gundogan has this innate ability, they call it Pauza, to just have that moment where he puts his foot on the ball, looks at where the best option is and finds it almost every time. If you put together all of his touches in one long video, it's remarkable when you watch them back because he just never gives the ball away. You always think, ah, the two men who are pressing him now, they'll definitely get the ball. And he always finds a way out of that. And when you do that, it helps you firstly with the ball because you can stretch teams, but it also helps you without the ball because what it does is it puts the opposition in an area where they don't want to be. So they're a bit discombobulated when they then win the ball back. And if you've got a team like Real that wanted to counter, wanted to use Rodrigo's pace, wanted to use Eden Hazard's ability to find space and find teammates, they just never really were able to do it because they never got any kind of control. Thought Casemiro was really poor, which is strange for him because he's so important for Real Madrid in midfield. And we can talk about Varane's errors and there were bad errors, but it's all down to industry from City pressing and knowing exactly when to press as well. I thought Gabriel Jesus's work without the ball was sensational. Yeah, let's talk about that, John, because you, you mentioned in commentary that it's a role that Jesus playing out wide. Um, you know, from a City point of view, it looks unusual. We normally see him with that number nine on his back playing up front if Aguero is not playing. Of course, he's injured uh, tonight, but out wide, he's a very effective player offensively and, and defensively as well. Well, he does it for Brazil. They've managed to find a system with the national team where Roberto Firmino is the designated central striker with, you know, how he drops deep for Liverpool and creates space for, for Salah and Sadio Mane that works so well. And they found a system that works very well for the national team with Gabriel Jesus coming from the right-hand side and still scoring goals because Roberto Firmino is is creating space for him to run into. And, and that's something that Manchester City have benefited from in this game. I think it caught Real Madrid out to see Foden starting as as the central striker and Sterling on the right and, and Jesus on the left. And, and just the movement all night of rotating players around. There were times when Gundogan was the furthest player forward and... and to be honest, I thought Real Madrid looked a little leggy and I thought they looked a little obvious in what they were doing. There was nothing that was a surprise and Manchester City looked dynamic. And I think it's the fourth time in five knockout ties now that, that Pep Guardiola has had the better of uh, Real Madrid. Uh, and, you know, it shows the level of work that, that they have put into this tie. It's the first time that Real Madrid have, have lost home and away 
in Europe since Liverpool beat them, I think 12 years ago, uh, when they beat them in the Bernabeu and then and then beat them 4-1 at Anfield in the days of Fernando Torres and, and Steven Gerrard at their peak. So, you know, th this is a huge achievement for Manchester City. It is. I think there are a couple of mini concerns going forward. I think the first one was that they weren't as clinical as they should have been. And that's a, a recurring theme with City. They make a lot of chances and aren't. they won't always get that when they go deeper into the tournament. Say they play Bayern, for example, in a potential semi-final. I know we've got a long way to go. But you won't necessarily get that many chances, so you have to take them when they come. The only other tiny concern, Imeric Laporte, I think, is a brilliant defender. He's great on the ball as well. Got the runaround a bit from Benzema, and a lot of defenders have had that this season. But just think, him up against Lewandowski might be quite interesting going forward. So, again, I know it's a long way to go. Bayern might not get that far. City might not get that far. But if they do, just a couple of things to work on. Sorry, John, I thought you were coming well, in. Well, no, I was just going to say, what, what, what is interesting is obviously Fernandinho is 35 now. And, you know, if someone decides to try and run around him, a mobile striker you know obviously we are now looking at uh, Bayern versus Manchester City as you know a, a huge tie but you look through the rest of the teams and it would be negligent and and silly of us to say that City are going to win it definitely but at the moment they look the strongest side yes they're not the all-conquering invincible side as of yet there are fallibilities within the way that they are set up and you do feel you have a chance against them but given their form in England since the restart of football and the way they have come through that game tonight if I was the coach of any of the other sides I would be plotting now how to beat them because uh, I think inevitably they, they, they could go all the way. Uh, Raheem Sterling has been speaking after the game. He says, energy, passion, it is a competition we want to do well in. If we play our football and run our socks off, then the result will come. We know how good they are. In reference to Real Madrid, we know how good we are and the difference was who would run the most. And I thought we were brilliantly today, uh, played brilliantly today. Actually, that actually brings me to my next point, Kev, because I remember reading pre-match uh, it was a couple of Spanish football experts who were putting forward the argument that they didn't think Real Madrid would be able to re-energise for this game. So 18 days since the 2-2 draw with Leganes, the back end of the season, a lot of the regular first teams as well didn't necessarily play in that game. And they put so much into winning the league title. Zidane has spoken at length about he loves winning the Champions League, of course, but winning the league was, is so fundamental to him as a Real Madrid player that maybe they just were a bit of a spent force. By the time they took on City, many of those players hadn't played competitively in three, three and a half weeks. They just couldn't quite get themselves up to the level required to take on City tonight. I think there's an element of that. I thought they started in quite an interesting way because they were trying to dominate the ball. City didn't touch the ball for the first two minutes. And that's the way they seemed to want to play. I think the first goal rattled them. I think it really rattled them because they realised then we're not going to be able to play through this press in the way that we wanted to. They clearly felt that they could find gaps and find a way through. And if you look at that first goal, yes, Varane is um, at fault because he dwells on the ball too much and Gabriel Jesus nicks it from him. But Thibaut Courtois is at fault as well because he gives him a bad pass that forces him backwards and doesn't really give him an angle. And we saw that time and time again. And then if you look, and I've seen this goal quite a few times now on the replays, if you look, all of the passing lanes are shut off. There's nowhere to go. And I think once that goal went in, 
that really rocked them back a bit. And I think there is an energy issue there. I think Eden Hazard didn't really make an impact at all and didn't look fully fit to me. So, yeah, I think they struggled in that way. Casemiro looked down to rhythm. So, yeah, I think there's an element there, definitely. Uh, John, on Real Madrid now, of course, the season comes to an end tonight. You you mentioned the old guard midfield, that three-man midfielder, Casemiro, Cruz and, and Modric. Do you think we're coming to the end of that midfield three, one of the great midfields of the 21st century? Yeah, I think it was a big achievement winning La Liga for them. And as you say, they put so much into it. Um, but I think that we saw a changing of the guard earlier in the season. Remember, they had a terrible start to the UEFA Champions League season with, with that heavy defeat on match day one. And, and then they were two down at home to, to Club Brugge, uh, you know, in, in what, half an hour on match day two. And it was only Casemiro's late goal, uh, the header, that stopped them losing their the first two games in this season's competition. And then Fede Valverde was, was brought in and he was a breath of fresh air. And it was surprising that, that he wasn't included in that game. And, and Zidane may look back on that and the decision to play Rodrigo. I don't particularly argue with playing Rodrigo at 19 and still inexperienced, but he's only played one game since the restart of football in Spain. And if he was going to be used in this tie that was so big for the football club, you'd feel that they would want to give him more football before, you know, put him in into to a, a game of this magnitude, you know, and, and trying to give him some game time under his belt before playing in this game. So there were a couple of uh, areas where Zidane perhaps fell fell short. And I know we, we just take it for granted, but Kevin De Bruyne is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but with and without the ball as well. It's yeah. not just the movement. It's the fact that he is willing to work so very hard without it. OK, yeah. Well, who will they play in the quarterfinals? Let's focus on the game that uh, factors in that now. Moving on to Juve's second leg tie against Lyon. The Italians were trading 1-0 after the first leg in France. They've worked it to corner, and here's Awar, and sliding in, it's a poor challenge, and Leon have got a penalty. It's Memphis, it's dinked in, the perfect Panienka, and Leon have stunned Juventus early in Turin. They lead by a goal to nil, they lead 2-0 on aggregate, and Juventus now need three. Well, there's a yellow card for Memphis. Well, it looks like he might have called a penalty here, Felix Feyer. Drama in Turin. Here's Ronaldo! He scores from the spot. Bottom right-hand corner. Lopez goes the wrong way. And Juventus have their lifeline. Field to Ronaldo, who aims for the left-footed shot! Oh, how about that? Cristiano Ronaldo from out of nothing with a left-footed rocket into the top right-hand corner. Anthony Lopez got a finger on it but couldn't keep it out. It is Juventus 2, Leon 1. And there is the full-time whistle. It's Leon and Rudy Garcia who can celebrate. And they really did celebrate on the touchline, and with good reason, Leon. They reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the first time in a decade, 2009-10, when really we saw Leon regularly actually going into the latter stages of the Champions League, certainly prior to Paris Saint-Germain's arrival economically and in a football sense on the Champions League stage. Let's speak to Jonathan Beck now, joins Kevin and myself uh, to review Leon's uh, result. What a result for Leon. 
Jonathan Beck to get past Juve, one of the pre-competition favourites. Yeah, incredible. That early goal from Memphis, the penalty certainly helped them and gave them that belief. It gave them the cushion, really, to know that they, they could sit back and try and hit Juventus on the counter-attack. And it's dangerous to invite this Juventus side onto you normally with the likes of Ronaldo and Bernadeschi and Higuain tonight rather than Dybala. But they made it work for them. You know, they had the plan and they executed it perfectly. They were dangerous on the counter-attack. They couldn't commit too many forward Juventus until the final stages when it had to be all or nothing, really. And Leon, you know, suckered them in. They didn't score a second goal. Juventus had 60% of the ball to their 40. They had 16 attempts to their six. And Leon scored with their one attempt on target. But that was all it took in the end. Jonathan, this is a disaster for Juventus. Was it a fair result? Did Juventus ever really have a period where they were consistently opening Leon up? There was a period in the first half where they bounced back probably just after the goal went in, actually. For that 15 minutes or so, they bounced back. Ronaldo, who'd been a little bit quiet and anonymous before that, started to come to the fore, although he was remarkably caught offside, I think, five times in the first half. Then um, Federico Bernadeschi had a remarkable chance, danced down the right-hand side, cut along the touchline past four defenders, sold the goalkeeper and was about to stroke it in from about half a metre and Marcelo slid in to block it. So there were little moments where the game might have swung back Juventus's way had they scored earlier. Juventus got that penalty late on in the first half with Ronaldo and then a, a lifeline really with a wonderful left-footed shot into the top corner. Uh, into the second half, but then they left themselves with half an hour and you thought, OK, they've got the, the momentum now, the impetus, and Ronaldo has got the bit between his teeth, but that was when Leon really dug in and the fullbacks came back and made it a five across the back. And yes, there were moments, but only really half chances. So once that 15 minutes had gone and the initial Ferrari after Ronaldo's second goal, it was pretty much Leon that saw it out and steered the ship home. We rightly talk about Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest players of all time, one of the Champions League's greatest players of all time. But he is the focal point. Was he too much the focal point tonight? Was he trying to do it all himself, especially with Dybala not fit enough to start and then he had to go off injured when he did come on? Was it a case of Ronaldo against Leon rather than being part of a team? I think that has been an accusation certainly for, for decent parts of the season. When you look at his goals record, 35, and then nobody else has got more than, more than four, I think. Um, more than three, actually. Three players have got more than three goals apart from him, I think, which is Higuain, Dybala, and Matthijs De Ligt, who's got most of those from, from set pieces. Rabiot and Bentancur, uh, less so Pjanic. He was rather anonymous on what is now his last game for the club before he, he goes to Barcelona. Rabiot was certainly impressive, and Bernadeschi too. So it wasn't all on his shoulders as it has been in many games but at the same time when it got into the final third those balls were looking for Ronaldo he would often steal into that center forwards role Higuain would drop a bit deeper Ronaldo was the focus when it came to balls in the box in the first half uh, and that was when he was caught offside really his movement not quite good enough or he, he'd head over he had a couple of decent chances where he put it over a free kick well saved it has to be said by Anthony Lopez so they did look to him when the going got tough, but um, I would have to say more than, more than was expected, the likes of, of Rabiot uh, and Bentancur and Bernadeschi did, did carry some of the weight. Uh, let's hear from the Lyon uh, defender Joachim Anderson. Yeah, of course, uh, we knew it was a difficult match. I think after, after our goal, we, 
we were in a good position. Um, then, of course, when they get a goal just before the halftime, we knew they only need two goals. So, so the second half was a little bit. Uh, we were struggling a little bit, I feel, but. Uh, I also felt that we had the space. When I came in, uh, I feel that we, we could play maybe a little bit more than we did. Um, but I think actually we had the, the game under control. We didn't give that many chances away, so yeah. Joachim Anderson, the uh, Leon defender, they're speaking very confidently after the game. And, and they were speaking in quite bullish terms ahead of kickoff, especially Memphis Depay, Kev Hatcher, who has had this injury, been out for such a long time, been flying five goals in the group stage, and uh, his his penalty was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> wonderful. There was a yeah. by the way, there was a brilliant shot, and I'm sure Jonathan Beck saw it too, where he chips Penenkas the penalty into the middle of the goal, and Chesney dies one way. And there's a replay of Buffon, just uh, you know, the backup goalkeeper now of Juve, just putting his head in his hands, like, oh no. Um, but what a wonderful moment for for Memphis to play after his injury, Kev. Yeah, and it's it's a way where. Obviously, Liga being curtailed in the way that it was because of the COVID-19 outbreak has left Lyon without a lot of competitive football. However, what it's also done is it's allowed them to get some of their injured players back. So guys like Memphis Depay, guys like Jeff Wren Adelaide, they were able to come back. And Memphis is such an important player for them. And he's talked himself about how he's becoming a leader. So this is a great step forward for Lyon. When you bear in mind, it's actually one of their worst seasons domestically for a long, long time. If they don't win this tournament, they're going to miss out on Europe for the first time in well over two decades. So that's a huge blow for them. They started the season with Silvino as coach. That didn't work out. Rudy Garcia's come in. Not all Leon fans were on the Rudy Garcia train. <laughs> uh, I think a few more might be now, but not all of them. But, you know, you have to give him immense credit. He's an organiser. This is what he does. He can set a team up, and we've seen that over both legs. There's some brilliant pictures on the uh, Olympic Lyonnais Twitter of the celebrations in the dressing room. Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper, has, has been speaking, calling it a, a huge joy. A group was amazing, very strong mentally in the fact it was a victory for the whole team. And now they want to go far in the UEFA Champions League. Well, their next opponents, as we know, are Manchester City. So that could be difficult. I know quite a few of us were looking at uh, FC Bayern when the Bundesliga restarted and talking about how strong they were and how strong they were in the, the Champions League with that 3-0 win over Chelsea which is still to be to be sorted out but Manchester City tonight that's a, that's a tough prospect how do you see Leon getting on against the, the might of City? It's going to be very, very difficult for them. City will certainly be favourites, certainly after the, the manner in which they've taken apart uh, Real Madrid tonight. Essentially here from the City camp, Gabriel Jesus, their number nine, who was key, pressing for both goals, scoring one of them as well. We are humans. We can make a mistake. So I believe always and I press. I press a lot. That's, I think, is one of my power. Press all the time, help my team. And I... I was happy and can score. I work to be a great striker, you know what I mean? So I work every day hard to be uh, like uh, a striker like Ronaldo was. I, I know uh, uh, him quality is different from me, you know, but I, I have to work to be a great striker. He certainly does. I mean, Sergio Aguero now into his 30s and he's got another injury at the moment. Guardiola has said they're hoping he said ahead of kickoff, hoping if we make it to Lisbon that Aguero would be fit for that. And granted, he was in the centre forward, Kevin Hatchard, but 
big night for Gabriel Jesus, first and second leg to step up in this manner. Yeah, and I think we've seen over both legs against Real Madrid that he is tactically responsible. If you ask him to do a job, which Pep Guardiola did, I want you to play on that left-hand side, I want you to disrupt Danny Carvajal, which they did brilliantly over the two legs, because Carvajal is so good at making those runs down the right from right back and finding forwards and finding midfielders and creating overloads. No, nope, none of that. Gabriel Jesus, <laughs> from the very start at the Bernabeu, caused all kinds of problems in that way, and he did exactly the same thing tonight. And The way he took his goal is the other side of it because it's one thing to work hard without the ball lots of players do that but you have to be able to have a skill and you have to be able to have composure and he did that for his goal there was also a lovely turn earlier in the half where he stung the palms of Courtois but it was a really lovely turn to open up the space I think he has enormous potential still he's learning all the time and as he says there it's about working hard and I like the humility as well obviously Ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo one of the great strikers an icon I'm not as good as him I'm probably never <laughs> going to be as good as him that's fine I can be the best Gabriel Jesus I can be I was very impressed with him tonight well he got the ball beyond uh, Thibaut Courtois for the winner on the night. Let's hear from the Real Madrid goalkeeper now. We knew it would be a hard game today. Uh, I think we fought very well. I think, uh, especially in the beginning of the second half, we made them doubt, we made them suffer, and then uh, we conceded a lucky goal. And I think there it was hard for us to fight back, but I think uh, we came with the right mentality. And uh, I think it was a good game from both sides, uh, with chances on both sides, and uh, City yeah, won. Thibaut Courtois, the Real Madrid goalkeeper. 18 clean sheets in La Liga this season for the Belgian, but he couldn't keep City at bay over two legs. And it is City who progressed to face Lyon in the next round. Kev, great games tomorrow night, by the way. Barcelona versus Napoli. Let's start with that. 1-1, the first leg scoreline from Naples. Barcelona without two key midfielders who started the first leg. Busquets and Vidal both suspended. And Barcelona did have that relatively flat end to the season. Lionel Messi saying, you know, we've got to be a lot better, otherwise we're going to go out in the Champions League. Um, they're going to have to get themselves right back up again. 1-1's not a bad scoreline for Barcelona to get beyond... Um get beyond them. Yeah, huge amount of pressure on um, Frankie de Jong in midfield. This is the kind of game he was bought for. We saw him be so impressive for Ajax uh, as Ajax got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Um, but it's a tricky one because this is a Barcelona team. You look at Real Madrid's consistency post-lockdown, which was extraordinary. Ten wins in a row and then drew again yeah. didn't matter. Barcelona simply didn't have that. Lots of performances that were unconvincing, lots of performances where they dropped points. I do think Luis Suarez coming back because he would have missed the season if it had played to its normal conclusion. Him coming back is big for them. Uh, I think he's a really important player. But I worry about them defensively. Uh, I just think there are some real problems there. I think Kike Setien, the coach, has not convinced the players that his plan is the right plan. Uh, and I think sometimes there are games where they play well despite him rather than because of him. Uh, they've openly questioned his tactics at times in the dressing room. There's been a lot of leaking uh, regarding that. So they have a lot of questions surrounding them. And then you look at Napoli. Rina Gattuso, the coach, has gone in there, replacing Carlo Ancelotti. It was all a bit of a mess when he got there. He's organised them. He's got them fighting for the club again. They won the Coppa Italia by digging in and, and matching Juventus stride for stride, and then they won on penalties. And I think that will give them huge confidence that in a big game like this, they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Barcelona and maybe 
they can get something. They're in decent shape for that one as well. Uh, Bayern, meanwhile, they take on Chelsea without Benjamin Pavard. But of course, uh, Bayern a 3-0 up from the first leg in uh, West London. What will the objective be for Bayern? What kind of team will they play, Kev, with such a commanding advantage? Bayern will play their strongest team. They will have to move Kimmich to right back, um, but Thiago is back, so that's okay. You can put him alongside Leon Goretzka in midfield. If they're sensible, and they are, they will use this as a tune-up. They will use this as not a friendly, because it's the Champions League, you don't do that, but they will use this as a stepping stone to get to where they want to be. They played Marseille in a friendly. This is the next step. I think Bayern will go through and they'll be fine. And N'Golo Conte, they think, they think we'll play, yeah. He's been he's been struggling with that hamstring problem, but they think there's a very good chance that he'll be fit. Yeah, Azpilicueta and Pulisic both injured as well in yeah. the in the uh, FA Cup final. And Pedro, of course, as well. We'll have all the coverage for you tomorrow night. A reminder that tonight, Manchester City have beaten Real Madrid. They go through to the quarterfinals. They will take on Lyon, who have knocked out Juventus. Cristiano Ronaldo's two goals, not enough to see them through. You can listen to us live from 1930 CET on Champions League Matchday Live tomorrow on the app on UEFA.com and on Sirius XM FC. The final two round of 16 ties, Barca, Napoli and Bayern versus Chelsea. But for now, from myself, Rob Daly and the rest of the Matchday Live team, it's goodbye. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.